welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall here, joined as always by my guys, Andrew Tursky and Chris McCormick. What's going on? Jay Wall with the glasses on today. Absolutely killing the look. Just killing yeah, it. Got, got, got to look smart. It, it knocks my IQ up maybe a couple points. Nothing more than that. This is a geeky show, so you got to throw the, <laughs> hey, the science glasses go. on. That's right. That's right. i got, got to get my nerd glasses on. Um, nerd glasses aside... You know, last week's episode I felt like was maybe one of the the busiest for us. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot going on. This this one might actually might give it a run for its money. I think there's there there there's a lot to talk about today. And I don't want to I don't want to just ramble. So why don't we get into it? We t- kicked last week's pot off talking about Rory, who deposited a three wood into the trees <laughs> on the deposited. ninth of Liberty National. Yeah. <coughs> I like that. I like that. It's one positive. way to put it. So we, we talked about it. We we offered you know one lucky listener the chance to to come on the pod and talk about their experience of tracking down this elusive three wood, and nobody came forward. Golden Age Auctions. We're going to talk about them here in here in a little bit. They even offered up a bounty, five thousand dollars. Five stacks. You, five stacks. If you could find this three wood. That's what, that's what they were offering. Wow. Nobody, fa- nobody found it. And it's kind of, it was like, really? Nobody's going to find this thing? It's got to be there in the trees. I mean, Rory even said, you know, it's it's somewhere there if, if you want to get a three wood. And you're thinking, all right, where, where is this three wood? Is it going to show up? Well, it's either, I'm going to say that it's the power of the pod. I'm going to say it's the fully equipped effect <laughs> that, that caused this story because the... General manager at Liberty National, we got him on the phone last week, and he confirmed that, oh, yes, there were lots of eagle-eyed golf fans with binoculars trying to find (laughs) Rory's three-wood. They even sent a maintenance crew out there. He said that they spent at least a half an hour to 45 minutes apiece at least two or three different times that they went out there looking in the bushes, climbing trees. Climbing trees, trying to find this three wood. They couldn't find it. They even had to get security out there because people were trying to scale the fence to get this three wood. It, it doesn't it's surprise awesome. me that the club just disappeared into the abyss. I mean, it's Jersey, you know. He's got <laughs> things happening. It's Jersey. Somebody, somebody attached a, cind- a cinder block to it and uh, just disappeared <laughs> to, the, it's gone. to the bottom of the sea, the, the sea floor. Uh, yeah, I, I have to say I'm surprised. I am surprised that this thing didn't didn't reappear. It makes me wonder if it's like some dude who was there who just like scurried off and grabbed it. That's what I'm he thinking. Just, he just maybe he's not on social media. You know, it's like I'm thinking of maybe somebody like my like my grandpa, somebody who probably doesn't have Twitter or Instagram or maybe they don't listen to the pod. He just, just scurried on over. Sw- they swooped in, picked it up, and it's gone. And now I think it was a maintenance it. guy who's just, like, not saying it. Uh, I'm, that's Isn't what there, I'm thinking. There's a maintenance shed, like, right there, right by the tee box. Okay, well. I'm I, thinking I, that I that just, thing was gone the day yeah. it happened. Within yeah, I, I, you have to think so. I mean, Rory Before the round was, was even over, mm, did he go look at it? Did he go look for it? I doubt it. <laughs> But with a yeah. five rack bounty, you think someone would come out of the woodwork by now? For sure, you would think. That's, yeah, I just I just love the idea of 
people driving over there, parking their car next to that army installa- that army building. <laughs> and dodging and snipers. Trying, trying to, yeah, dodging snipers. Mission scaling, impossible for this scaling Rory Scaling a fence, trying, trying to then scale a fence to scale a tree with binoculars. Uh, you know, all for a three wood that you could go out and buy for... You know, I know it's a two. I know it's, people are going to say it's a tour version. It's Rory used it. I get that, but it's a three wood that you could go out and pay, you know, two hundred and fifty, three hundred bucks for. And it's a fairway wood. It's not like it's a driver, a mini driver that like belongs in the bag. You know, nobody, and say, nobody wants nobody wants to hit a three wood anyway. So why why do you no. want to go look for one? Three woods are dead. Long live long live utility irons. Preaching the choir. There we go. And and mini drivers. Sorry, Tursky. Okay. Seven woods. You corrected yourself. No worries here. Eleven woods. Yep. But yeah, it's it's Loft still up. out there. I don't think anybody's gonna find it. I I do agree with Chris. It's gone. Somebody she got gone. it already. It 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 happened it happened the day of, and Rory just kind of lit a fire there, saying that it was still somewhere in the trees. It's not. Somebody got it. You think about um, like think of, think about when a tour pro hits a ball into the water. And if it's right there along the edge during a tournament, once that group goes, somebody is going over to the edge of that water and they are retrieving that golf ball. Yep. People are savages for any kind of merch you can get. Like even when a tee starts flying, even if it's broken, like someone's gonna reach out and try to grab that thing. Yeah. It's it is it is crazy. I mean, we, we talk about being savages for anything out there on tour. I mean, the kids at the tournaments that ask for everything under the sun. Can I have a glove? Can I have a hat? Can I have your shoes? I mean, they're it's like every, for, it's like, it's everyone asking though. for you, everything. You stand around, you stand around an 18th green. Like you have people of all ages, Rory, Rory, let me get your glove, please. Please let me get your glove. Yeah. Yeah. It's the shoes is the one that always gets me. Can I have your shoes? And then players will give them up. I mean, that's the greatest part about it. Players will pull the shoes off of their feet that they just got done playing 18 holes, walking 18 holes in. They're like, yeah, here you go. Yeah. No thanks. Justin, Justin Thomas did that. Did you see yeah. JT when yep. uh, the kid who was wearing that awesome homemade shirt with all Justin Thomas like all over it, with you know his face, him swinging, and JT gave him his shoes. Uh, yeah. Although he did say like it's going to be a couple of years before these will fit your bud, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's not going to be wearing JT's shoes. I think for golf it's a little bit weird, but for basketball I'm super on board as like a pseudo sneakerhead. I mean, if LeBron's going to take his shoes off after the game and give them to me, I'm going to be fired up about it. Yeah, that that is that is a cool part about it. I, I I can get behind like pros, you know, giving away gloves and hats, shoes. A little bit. I don't know why. I don't. I don't know why on. it's weird to me. I don't know why it's weird to me. Like golf shoes. If if a pro handed like over his golf shoes, I'd be like, oh man, I'm I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. super good like, on that. Good. But but then you know a pro yeah, basketball player does it. He just he just ran up and down the court for you know a couple hours. It just it's like I mean both those guys those shoes are are disgusting. You're holding them from the sole. Uh-huh. You're, you're not putting your fingers in there. To, yeah, I, golf I think shoes they better good. be limited edition something. You know one of those like specialty Augusta shoes maybe or like Ryder well, Cup. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. But anyway. Rory's three wood, I, we're not going to see it. It's gone. I, I don't think anybody's going to come forward, but I, I do. I think somebody that doesn't have social media was was the guy who went out and got it. I don't think there were a lot of people out there on Monday anyway. So, 
All right. Well, from Rory Streewood to the most expensive putter of all time. Tursky, this did, is did craziness. You, did you think about this after you saw the final prize? The fact that you rolled putts with a putter that almost went for $400,000. I'm happy I didn't know at the time it was going to go for that much. I mean, I knew it was going to go for 150 plus. Like I said multiple times, the video's coming out, so everyone will be able to see it. But I said multiple times how nervous I was to even touch it, let alone hit putts with it. Uh, four, 400's a lot. Yeah, it's, I can't it's a believe lot of money. It, it went that a high. Lot of money. It was I, creeping I guess, there. I mean, I was following yeah. it along, and it was creeping so was up, I. and then all of a sudden, boom, 390. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. It's, it is crazy. Um, for those of you, unless, I mean, guess if you've been hiding under a rock, it's the Tiger Woods backup from 2002, his, his backup Newport 2 GSS, sold at Golden Age Golf Auctions. And uh, Ryan Carey, shout out to Ryan Carey. He, uh, he was he was a, he was our interview last week. He had the putter. He had Gary Player, one of Gary Player's Masters trophies, and the 1904 Olympic trophy. And they all, I guess, two out of the three sold for uh, almost half a mil. The Tiger putter sold for almost 400k. He had a weekend. So it's Ryan's a happy man right now. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a very be. happy man for sure. He he's got to be happy. I would be, you know. He's he's making some money. Other guys out there are adding some some pretty incredible pieces to their collections. But yeah, the putter. I gotta agree. I didn't expect it to get that high, but it was like next thing you know, it did. It it shot off. And now that you've established that a Tiger Woods backup's worth 400k, does that mean the next one's got to be at least that? It's got to be more than that now. You've established that they're worth at least $400,000, so the next one's going to be creeping closer to half a mil? I think the golf merch categories, yeah, going to be skyrocketing based off this news. Has to. Yeah, That's how they, market they works. Were on the front of, they were on the front of ESP, on ESPN.com on their homepage. Like, they had stories. This was, a, this was a big weekend story. A lot of major outlets were picking it up, and uh, it was cool to see golf have a, a little bit of time in the spotlight from, from the collectible standpoint. But it got me thinking about this. Okay, so Tiger's putter, a backup, goes for 400K. We all know if you were going to pick a historic club to actually put your own money to, to buy, you would say Tiger's gamer, no question. But take that one out of the equation here. If you're spending your own money on a historic golf club, which one from history would you, would you want to buy? I've been racking my brain on this. You asked me this right before the pod started. I don't feel like it was enough time to prepare my real answer, honestly. But I had a couple uh, couple clubs come to mind immediately. Now, fair fair warning, these are all Tiger clubs, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, of but, course it is. Like you're just like, gonna what go am with I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do about that, though? You're gonna you're gonna go with the layups. So is this like I'm spending my own money on this, right? It's not like oh you have an unlimited. Yeah, yeah, budget. your own your own money, unlimited budget. But like, what would you what would you if you had a money tree in your backyard? Which which historic club or would you buy? If I had a money tree. If you had a money tree. Well, I think obviously like getting the Jack Nicklaus response putter that he actually used to win the 1986 Masters would be pretty cool. I mean, I think the backstory behind getting that putter in the bag, just how historic it was for Jack, I mean, that'd be a pretty cool one to have in the collection. 
Um, I had written down some of the other ones that I think would probably be like, I don't know, maybe not realistic anymore. Now that this backup went for so much, but either way, you said money tree. So here's, here's some that I had in mind. One of Tiger's PT fairway woods. Oh, that's a good one. That would be sick to have. Yeah. Yeah. Just like anyone. It doesn't matter. I don't think he has like a specific famous one. Um, so anyone that he's touched, basically, I would I would take um, the Tiger Scotty Dale, the one that was basically deemed Deal, illegal. The deemed illegal. Yeah, Ooh, that was that's a good that one. That would be sick. That was on my list. That's a story piece too. Yep. Um, here was a random one that I thought of, the club that John Vandeveld brought down with him in the burn. Dude, tell what, me you thought of that. That that was that was actually the club I was gonna pick. No way. Yes. Oh the wow. Vandeveld. From the photo, the one of him <laughs> smiling in the burn. Yes, the wedge, exactly. But it's I know, but it's, I know. it's an infamous like it's it's one of those like infamous golf clubs where, you know, exactly. he still he still hit it from the other side of the burn. That's hilarious <laughs> that you picked that. I thought for sure of all the clubs there was in the world, no, there was no way that you were picking that, and you did. That just goes That's to show awesome. you that, that was that was third both, on my list. That is wild yeah. that you actually picked. Like seriously, I am I am stunned. Because well, I thought I think, for sure. <laughs> I think he probably used that club like during the hole. I mean, he chunked one in the burn and then oh, my. he hit a bunker shot too, I think. So he probably used it and he brought it down to the burn. And I can't believe we both thought of that. Amazing. I, I'm, I'm Seriously, <laughs> I am stunned that you picked that. Anyway, continue. But wow. And uh, I don't know exactly what he had in the bag when he beat Stephen Ames 9-8. and eight, But like literally anything he had in his bag. Like, whether it was his glove, the ball he used. I don't know if he was using a Sasquatch driver at the time. But something that he beat Stephen Ames with, I think that was just epic. Um, any Tiger Woods two-iron that he used to hit his stinger. <laughs> what, about, what about the one that he used any the, two iron. the week at... Uh, <laughs> any two-iron, doesn't matter. At Royal Liverpool, when he, when he basically yeah. just wore, wore that one into the... When he only used irons. Yeah, that was, yeah, what, 2005, 2006? Yeah. But but what I settled on, and which is what I'm going with for my answer, is... You're terrible his, because you just, you just like, reel off all these great clubs, and now you're going to... I'm just telling your, you where my mindset was at. I'm too okay. indecisive to just, like, choose. Whatever. I'm just telling Whatever. you where, right, pick it. where pick my it. thought process was going. Pick your, pick your number one after you did 20 options. It's a but, whole segment. I'm allowed to go on for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> turkey has got a top 20 off, list yeah right if i didn't reel off where my mind was going then we wouldn't have known that we both thought of jean vandeveld stole the vandeveld that's too <laughs> funny <laughs> okay so what i decided was one of his titleist 681 t the t stamped titleist irons with just the red t on the toe and i want the eight iron because he always said that he practiced and played or uh his favorite club is the eight iron, and that's what he would use to like practice work on his swing. So that thing must be so dimed out. It would just be so cool to have a dimed out Tiger eight iron, and that's like the iron that I think we all loved. I put a red T on some of my irons every now and then, just as a little shout out to those. I like it. Unbelievable. So that's all I got. I took up plenty oh. of your guys' time. Sorry. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> Chris? Uh, yeah, go Chris. So you can. Steal uh, yeah, Jay Wall's gonna so need it. So you can steal one of my other ones. 
I was going to say, which which one from Tursky's list do I want to use? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can just steal the rest of the ones off my list. I figured Chris would go with something other than Tiger. Not Actually, sure. okay. no, I if I was buying one club, I would want 2005 16th hole better than most. The uh, the up and down that he made on the 16th. That was unbelievable. Were you talking about the putt? Better than, better most, than most up and down. Continue. You're talking about you're, you're talking about you're talking about players championship better than most. That's 17th hole better than most. 17th hole. Was no, I was. Most. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I stand corrected. The 16th hole, the chip shot that he played, that he holed out. Oh, that wedge oh, 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 at the Masters. Oh, 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 yeah, 2005 16th hole at the Masters. In your life. Masters. In your life. Oh, Uncle Vern. I, I love so you would what? Uncle you would Vern. want the wedge? I would want the wedge. wedge. Yep. I'd like, like to that. see the bounce on that wedge, the uh, the grind. Yep. I would want that wedge. That's a good choice. Yeah. That is a good choice. You threw um, us off with the better than most. Not gonna lie to you though. The, the, uh, <laughs> the I mean, I think we just. I missed both. We were like, huh? Uh, okay, I'll throw. I'll throw no, out I'm gonna get all kinds of shit for that. I know. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please, yeah, yeah, that's okay. and that's and that's you okay. Send, that's okay. Send all shit to, to Chris McCormick. We corrected uh, it. Live. Attention, like, attention, like Chris. Yeah, they can't like chirp. I'd be curious to see what people say about that, though. Yeah, I'm sure you'd be curious. Uh, okay, so the two that that all now that Vandeveld's off the table, I'll take the Scotty Cameron Newport that Tiger used to win his third straight U.S. Amateur? Oh. Like nice that's, choice. I'm going, like, historic before wow. Tiger turned pro. Like, you can't get much more iconic than the one that he used to, to win his third U.S. Am. I really like that choice. Thank I think you. none of us none of us took the 1997 Masters because it's, like, obviously that's well, a yeah, billion-dollar Terrell, billion putter. Terrell Eames is probably a little bit too high. And it's the only other putter that Tiger won't let anybody touch. Does that, that go for more than his, his like, current gamer? No way. Ooh. The 97 no. Terrellium, though? You don't, you don't think so? Well, no, I don't know. I mean, okay, it's, just, it's the first putter that he used to win a major. I get that. And it was, it was uh, the, you know, historic Masters. I get the that. The most impactful Masters win, but he, arguably, Yeah, ever. and it's, it, started, it started Tiger Mania. But he what he used the other putter to win fourteen major championships. But it started Scotty Mania too, at least to like me. Yeah. And I think to a lot of people too. Okay. You know, it really yeah. put Scotty and Tiger on the map. Yeah, yeah, no, it did. I, I'll, I'll give you that. But I don't think it would go for more than 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 the GSS. I don't. Think I'm so. curious about that. Which one? Which one would bring more at an open auction? We got to ask. Do a poll can you can you just te- can you text Ryan right now and we'll just read the answer when he texts back? I can. Going to. Yeah, shoot yeah, him a text. Let's do it. Let's do we'll it live. Just, we'll just we'll just we'll just keep we'll just keep going with the pod and see what his answer is. Yeah. Inquiring we'll, minds we'll want to know. Back. Okay. All right. I'll 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 do There's it. no can more ex- expert opinion than that. All right. I'll <laughs> ask him. Uh, the the other one that I would say would be would be a, a fun one to have in a, in a club collection. Would be the Mark O'Meara backup that Tiger used in '98 when O'Meara won the Open Championship. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the putter 
that Tiger was struggling. Omira let him use one of his backups. He nearly beats Omira, but Omira wins, and they get on the airplane, and Omira basically tells him, like, and that's why it's the backup. Yeah, I love that story too. So, such a great, such a great story. Amira's told it a bunch. She told the Turski here, like within the last year. Yeah, I got and, to ask him in uh, person. His face yeah. just lit up when I asked yeah. him this because yeah. he was sure like, he all fired up to tell the story. Yeah, he yeah. probably it's, loves it's a good telling one. that story. Yeah, he probably loves telling that one. I, I would, I would too if I if I was Marco Amira. But yeah, I'll take that putter, the one that Tiger used to almost win. It was Amira's backup. It's got it's got a cool backstory to it. So those would be my two, along with Vandeveld. Thanks, Turski, but. I liked, uh, so, I liked Ryan's answers to basically this question, and he was like, the club that they used on the moon and the two balls that he hit. Well, yeah. Because they're mean, still up on the moon. I mean, that's yeah. a pretty good answer <laughs> to the question. They're pretty still up there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So if uh, you guys are going to get something that is not tiger-oriented, what would it be, Tursky? Um, I would say... Uh, Maybe the putter that Payne Stewart used to hold a putt Ooh, at Pinehurst. Yeah. Or, like, something from Jordan. I mean, I'm, like, a huge Jordan collector already, so I would definitely pay for something golf-related with Jordan. Like, maybe his bag from back in the day. Or, I don't know. I'll say the, the putter Phil used to win his first major Masters. Mm-hmm. Or, the, or like, cool. the Frankenwood, like the Frankenwood. Yeah, that would be pretty would, cool. Would be, or the two drivers that he used to win 06 Masters. We could, we, See, we, I we was, could make an entire like episode out of like clubs oh, yeah. that we would buy. You got 100%. my brain firing on this. I'm going to think of so many like cool clubs Ooh, we get off I know. This. The Cleveland VAS irons that Corey Pavin used to win the US <laughs> Open. Maybe the, maybe the ugliest irons of all time. That's yeah. such a good one. I remember That's talking to Roger Cleveland. One. I did a story on those irons. Uh, several years ago when I talked to Corey Pavin, I talked to Roger Cleveland and Roger even admitted like one of the ugliest irons he's ever like created. They were, they were not really his final design because uh, Rossignol, the ski company was, that was the parent company for Cleveland at the time. And so that was like their ski technology and that little badge in the back cavity that kind of helped with the dampening, the sound dampening on that club. Mm-hmm. But they, I guess, had a, a pretty big hand in, like, what the club looked like. So Roger really didn't get to kind of refine it. It looked like a shovel. Even Corey admitted it. Like, he, guys used to make fun of him. Like, nobody out on tour, even, like, the tour version of that, they couldn't get anybody to play it because it's like this thing looks hideous. And then Corey Pavin wins a major with it. So, yeah, VAS irons. I'll take those. I would love to go shopping in Arnold Palmer's garage. Oh, man. Yeah. You know how much yeah. heat he probably has in there? Yeah. Oh, man. Like personal experiments that he ran on golf clubs that just, like, look ridiculous, like those Bryson prototypes. He's probably got a bunch of that kind of stuff laying around. He's probably, he's probably no got doubt. a whole wall of those, for sure. Tens of thousands of golf clubs in there. Yeah. Well, that's why he's the king. The hoarder's haven. Those photos from his, from his Latrobe... Uh, his build shop that's those probably some of the coolest photos you'll see especially the ones with him kind of walking through it but um all right well we, we could like i said we could make an entire episode out of talking about cool clubs that we'd buy but let's let's talk about let's talk about rory again so rory had to replace his three wood he also replaced his driver 
when with the Sim 2, driver had 9 degrees. With a graphite design, Tour ADXC 7TX. Now, graphite design, I, I mentioned this in the story, and of course I didn't do a ton of research. Probably I, I shouldn't be admitting this, but I can't recall a time that Rory's ever used graphite design in his driver. I'm trying to think. He he was never on the uh, the DI bandwagon with everybody. No, no. He's, he's used Fuji, and he's used yep. Mitsubishi, but I yep. don't recall a time that he's ever used graphite design before. I thought it was an interesting one. You know, he he said that he went through his garage, and and like picked out all these clubs. Went back to the spider as well, the spider putter. And, and this is what I wanted to talk about, was something that Rory said about, because he had been using a Scotty Cameron 009M, and somebody asked him about the switch back to the putter, and I'm just going to read the full quote here. This is from Rory. It said, it's funny, I thought about it. I said to Harry, Harry Diamond is caddy, after the first round last week, I'm thinking about going back to the spider, and then I proceed to gain four strokes on the greens over the next two days with the blade. What does that sound like? It sounds like when I was telling you guys about getting ready to kick the three wood to the curb. And then the three wood decides to not act up. Um, then Rory continues. But I think the thing with the blade is the good days are really good, but the bad days are pretty bad as well. There's quite a lot of inconsistency in it for me. It's almost like I need to practice with the blade at home because you have to get your stroke spot on to hit good putts with that style of putter. But then when I come out here, meaning out on tour, I started hitting putts with the spider again and it felt so easy. Felt like I could I could not start it on the line. It was sort of there's a lesson in there somewhere about maybe just keeping the blade at home and practicing with it, and then coming out here and putting something that's got a little more technology in it in play. It's wild. Pretty pretty revealing quote from one of the tour's biggest names. I mean, openly admitting I shouldn't be playing a blade out on tour because my good days when they're good are great but when i have an, an off day with the putter with that blade it's really bad so i've learned my lesson i'm going to putt with the blade at home for practice again to really work on trying to, to hit his you know the center of the face and work on consistency but when it comes to the tour he's bringing the spider out i mean that again that's one of the biggest names out there who just is admitting it now is that a realization for for the regular golfers out there who are listening is that like a getting a bucket of cold water dumped on you if you use a blade and you're struggling? Uh, Tursky. <clears throat> I mean, it makes uh, me feel like an idiot for using a <laughs> blade. <laughs> like, no, and I'm a, ter- I'm a terrible putter. It's not like I putt better than Rory. But you seriously, know. though, like, Chris, do you, is there really a reason for, for golfers nowadays to even use a blade? I mean, that some, some of you could even get a wide-body blade nowadays with, with similar – properties to a to a mallet i mean it it just makes me wonder and i i still use a traditional blade i'll admit it but it does make you wonder if you're just fighting a, like constantly fighting an uphill battle with with a traditional blade putter with there's when there's all this great technology that's out there on the market i mean there's there's a lot of different directions you could go with that for sure uh i mean i'm gonna be a little bit more lenient on the player using a blade putter over blade irons absolutely and there's a lot more variables to kind of take into consideration during a fitting with a putter than there are with with irons i mean you can get away with a blade putter a hell of a lot easier than you can with irons and based upon a player's stroke type their visual perception of different shapes how they perceive optics uh hosel configuration with offset 
And sometimes a blade just works better. And everybody's going to be a little bit different in, in how they handle weight and shape and optics. And, you know, the, like I said, the hosel configuration, amount of offset or no offset. And sometimes a blade just works better. And is a mallet going to be more forgiving and have higher MOI? Yes, it is. But I've had those players that come in and we try and try and try with mallets and the blade just works better. I mean, for whatever reason. And I would, I would like, say for me, uh, visually, like a mallet kind of just messes with my eye throughout the stroke. I sure. just feel like there's so much mass moving because I'm more like inside to inside, you know, kind of a door hinge stroke. With mm-hmm. a blade, I don't really notice it. You know, it looks visually, it, it just looks fine. It's not distracting. With a mallet, you know, especially with like a long line on like a spider, it just kind of gets in my head a little bit. That's not uncommon. I mean, you'll have players that as soon as that putter head starts to moving, the more mass that's back there, you'll you'll actually find them starting to follow it with their eye. And they pick mm-hmm. it up sooner, and then it starts to manipulate face angle. And, yeah, it's not unheard of. It's not uncommon. It's it's interesting that Rory is, is admitting this because Dustin Johnson's talked about something similar before. Doing practice, he still loves the look of a blade. Working at home and practicing – during the early part of the week, even during a tournament week with a blade, and then he'll go to his mallet come tournament time. So this isn't like a crazy idea or or something that hasn't been discussed before. I mean, it's just, I think when it comes out of the mouth of a guy like Rory, we're we're a little bit more inclined to go, oh, geez. Now, Now Rory's admitting that he probably shouldn't be using a blade putter, but Again, I don't. I don't necessarily think that this is me saying that if you're using a blade putter, that you're you're going about it wrong. But again, there are a lot of new technologies out on the market where you can get into a blade, and you can get a lot of the more of the stability benefits. I think is is where you're really gonna where you're really gonna notice the the big improvement. So you don't have to go to a full on mallet. But but maybe if you're using a blade and you're a little a little streaky with it, or maybe you just don't make any putts inside ten feet. That's so saw that mean. wink. That wink. Saw is that so wink mean. toward you there, buddy. Oh God, Chris, what putters just, do you have in the bag? I'm just I'm just on Tursky because he stole my Vandeveld, so I'm just I'm just gonna keep I'm just gonna keep yeah. ribbing him. I'll deal the with putter, the salt on the putter I'll situation. I am I'm very salty right now. <laughs> Currently in my in my rotation in and out of the uh the infamous closet is a spider s right now okay i want to see that timeout closet i bet you got some stuff in there hey oh there's some stuff speaking of timeout closet we got some unbelievable (laughs) creations people people were like mocking up designs for these t-shirts I sent, a, I sent a couple along to the guys. There were a few of them. I, I'm, like, ready to just, like, see what they want for a fee and, and like, slap one of these on a T-shirt. A couple of them are awesome. Who was the uh, – we got to give them a shout-out. Who's the guy yeah, that created that on. cartoon? Because that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, hold up. It was the – yeah, the one, the one that, the one that we we all love was Zabrick Klein. Zabrick Klein. Yep. Yeah. He's at Zabrick. Z a b r i c. 
that that feels like the leader in the clubhouse right now. It's so good. Absolute fire. It's exactly if I close my eyes and envision what a timeout closet looks like and the clubs that are probably like ready to bust out of there. Um, you know, maybe maybe some demons hiding in there, some club demons. Like that that is it's great. It's it's got a really great cartoon look to it. It's yeah, it's awesome. We gotta slap it on like a head cover or something. Maybe a hat. Dude, I want putter to cover it, for I sure. On a, I want to put it on a t-shirt. Like, let's just and a put t-shirt. It on I mean, I'll definitely rock it on a t-shirt. Yeah. But yeah. this should be a whole line. We should uh, yeah. put like a screenshot out, post it on our. You can see what the people like think. The, the sleeve of a of a polo. Mm-hmm. Timeout closet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We got to just a side about stamp on a golf it. ball. I know. We got to just do it. But yeah, there there were some there were some fantastic creations. Um, can't thank those people that actually took the time out to to mock stuff up and submit them it's really keep cool. them coming too we like it yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna pick one but i think right now like that's that's the leader in the clubhouse if, you, if you're gonna try and and grab our attention you're gonna have to beat that one we Fuck. should we should pick the top three or four and and throw yeah. them up on this on the website or on social and get people to vote on what they like the best fair enough As i like that there's uh there's a couple of them that it, they absolutely need to be a putter head cover like no question about it <laughs> has to be a putter head cover and while we're at it we may as well do shirts throw, throw it on line. a hat too throw it on a hat yeah why not yeah anyway yeah there were there were a lot of great ideas all right patrick cantley the guy had himself a week on the putting green what a playoff what man, I mean, that was entertaining. Oh man, that was one of the that was one of the most. I agree, one of the most entertaining playoffs. Uh, hell, even one of the most entertaining golf tournaments I've ever seen. It was. I mean, those kind, those guys, and of course, it all starts on fourteen when Bryson <laughs> tells Cantlay, "Hey, Patrick, could you stop walking?" And what does what does yeah. what does Patrick do? He walks in the putt. So there was a li- <laughs> there was a little bit of a uh, a momentum shift right there, but. He he set so going back to 2004. That was when the PGA Tour started tracking shot link numbers. He set a record last week. That doesn't even include the putts he made in the playoff. Plus 14 and change on the greens in strokes wow. gain putting. That's stupid good. And he down the four, stretch, like the length of shots putts. on the field. Yeah, 14 shots on the field with just the putter. The length of putts he was making, just casually rolling in these like 25, 20 footers, so icy. Yeah, yeah. It's it was it was an impressive performance from him on the greens. Um, I think I think he's gonna fit. I think he's gonna fit right in if he's if he's rolling the putts like that. He'll fit right in on that Ryder Cup team. They're gonna need a couple guys that can make big time putts. And he's gonna be a rookie, but. I don't think I don't think he really cares. I think he's he's ready. He's ready to prove that he's worthy of that spot. He's playing some some incredible golf right now, and he did it with a Scotty Cameron Phantom X5. It's a putter that he used to win a Memorial, so it's not new. But this is a a new new version. It's version I guess like maybe version 2.0. So. Patrick has been working with the guys over at Scotty Cameron on this putter, and they made a minor tweak to the mallet. Um, this is this is the winged version of the the Phantom line, and they added a small sight line to the top line on the putter, 
and that corresponded with a adjustment to and this is an interesting one guys because he added a line to his golf ball but he actually added the line on the ball to the opposite side of the of the side stamp which which to me it's like normal i mean you and I, I will add a line to the to the side stamp, but he did it to the opposite side, which I thought was interesting, and was asked why he did it, and he said that the line on the golf ball along with the line on the putter helped him a lot on short putts. Um, he made a lot of long putts. But, yeah, just a couple of minor tweaks to the putter, and off he goes. Tail as old as time. Use, use a line. I mean, it helps a lot on the short putts as long as you don't have it lined up wrong, right? Do you, I mean, do you guys do you both do both you guys use lines on your putt on your uh, golf ball? Nope. I don't draw a line. I just use like the the Titleist. I I used to, uh, but I've gotten to the point now where I've I've gotten a little bit Jason Day, and I got way too fixated on trying to match up the the side stamp with where I was trying to putt and I was I was getting I was losing a lot of my feel and just trying to visualize it so now whenever I set up to the ball I just put either the blank side where I don't see anything or I'll just go like playing number with the with the logo for the for the ball just facing up at me just so I can like I'm not looking at anything I'm visualizing I'm picking a mm -hmm. point I'm putting and then I don't have to to get so fixated on the line Probably engages the, the athletic way. mind a little more. No, I'm the same way, Jay. Well, oh, you I are. I use, yep, blank side of the ball, no optics on top of the putter. So all visualization. I don't. Nice, uh, to, know, nice to know I'm not a head case. And uh, nope, dang. So maybe there. I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely wrong. <laughs> well, I'm not don't saying because because the line the line is good. I mean, I I think for especially for um, if I was going to suggest who would benefit from a line i would say if you're a beginner golfer i would say you most definitely would benefit from drawing a line on your golf ball mm -hmm. because you're you're probably not used to to you know working on your your alignment i think it's a great way to to just kind of make sure that everything's in working order before you pull the trigger on a putt so you know get get that line lined up on where you're trying to hit your putt and then kind of get your feet set. And then if you've got a line on your putter, even better. If you've got one on the flange or if you're like Patrick Cantlay and you have a short line on the top line or maybe even a sight dot like Tiger, it's a great way to just kind of make sure everything's working in that direction. But I, I will admit that over time, I think a lot more players probably do what, what Chris and I are doing and maybe you kind of revert back to just blank slate and getting a little bit more into the feel of it because you, you might get – you know, a little over-reliant on, on the alignment aids. Tiger Woods does cool. use a line on his golf ball, though. <coughs> he does. To be fair. He's pr pretty decent at putting. Decent decent name there. That's Jay Wall, I don't know why you decided to make the change. I can tell you from my personal experience, when I was using a line on the putter and a line on the ball, kind of like you had alluded to, I got so fixated on the line that my speed and just touch and feel especially on anything outside of that 10 12 foot range i my feel was terrible distance control and speed was just terrible yeah 
I'm, I'm I'm the same way. It was it was with longer putts for me. I just I was I, again I got too reliant on the line and trying to hit my spot just by lining it up perfectly. And so I'd spend yep. more time I'd spend more time just trying to like make little incremental moves with my golf ball to get it exactly where I wanted. And I was like, this is stupid. Um, <laughs> I actually subscribed to the to the old Rory used to do this. I don't know if he does it anymore. I should probably look and see. But Dave Stockton told him a while back like. Look where you look where you're gonna putt. Pull the trigger and go. Don't don't do practice putts. So I don't do practice putts anymore. I literally stand up, look, kind of get a feel for what I'm trying to do, visualize it, and pull the trigger. No no practice putts. When I do practice putts, I start. That's when like bad thoughts start creeping in. So I gotta just like keep them back and and just pull it and and go. So I do some I do some new things now that I think I, I'm actually a halfway decent putter. Short game for me has never really been too big of a problem. Except for the the bunker play at Bandon, that was a uh, an interesting one. At <laughs> oh my gosh, I had I had a I had a heck of a day at the last day and uh, at Trails. But yeah, for the most part, short games ever been an issue. But I have found that just kind of freeing up my mind by not doing a line on the ball and you know for whatever reason, it just seems to work. I will say a good drill. Uh, I got this from a, a coach way back in the day. Um, I was kind of struggling with putting. Obviously, it didn't really end up working <laughs> but uh you kind of go around the putting green and instead of looking at the ball as you putt you literally just look at the hole and it kind of just engages that athletic mind and it really helps with uh with speed and kind of just getting out of your own way so i like that. throw down throw down a ball go through like nine holes where you're literally just looking at your target as you putt instead of the golf ball and maybe it'll break you free speaking of golf balls Nice transition. Thank you. <laughs> we have we have we have a new one out out on tour, or I guess it's not out on tour, but we have a new one out at retail now that's been on tour for a while. Did you know that that Titleist, the the Pro V One Left Dot, had been out on tour for as long as as it had? I knew it was out there for a long time, but they said uh, like 2012, 2013. Stenson used it to win the Open Championship when he went head to head with with Phil. I mean that's. That's a ways back. And then you, he, he also mentioned that Patrick Reed used it to win the Masters. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's been around on tour for a while. I think if you're uh, you know, a serious gear nerd like the three of us, you probably knew about the Left Dog Golf Ball. But it is, it is now making its way to, to retail. Now, this is, this is very similar to the, to the Dash Golf Ball where it's not going to be a full-on retail launch. It's just going to be in limited quantities. They actually mentioned that they were uh, sending out golf balls to Team Titleist. They didn't mm-hmm. tell them what it was. And so they were going to kind of find out with everybody else that the golf ball that they've been testing is actually a ball that's already been out on tour for a while. But, you know, we as golfers love the idea of being able to test and play the stuff that we find out on tour, whether it's, you know, something that's right for our game or not, like we're, we're still going to want to play it. You know, it's just hundred percent, just, just the way it is. Gotta give so, it a try. yeah. So the, so the, who is this left out golf ball good for? If you're a golfer who produces a lot of spin, um, this, this could be a, a really good golf ball for you. Um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've having talked to tour players, the one thing they don't like to see is kind of as the ball will peak, 
if if they kind of see it rise up a little bit more kind of out of that window instead of kind of getting flat and going down range that's something that they do not like to see with the golf ball they don't want to see it kind of balloon on them and that's what this that's what this left dot golf ball is designed to do especially with with your long irons you're going to be able to see that ball go down range and not kind of have a little bit of a tail on it um, you know, they mentioned that it's, it's very subtle things with this golf ball. It's not going to be some like significant changes, but again, if you're somebody that's on the higher end of the spin spectrum, if you're trying to cut spin, this golf ball is your huckleberry, I think is, is, is what, is what, you know, titles is saying, but you're probably thinking now, okay, wait, this is a golf ball that cuts spin. So I'm going to probably get a little bit more distance. Isn't that AVX? And it's not, but it's not AVX because we, we, Tursky and I actually had a call with, uh, with Frederick Waddell from Titleist who heads up their, their golf ball side of the, the business. And he said, look, this golf ball is still going to have the same green side spin that you have come to expect from, from the V1 and the V1X. So don't think that you're sacrificing one part of your game for lower spin. You're still going to get that performance. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be out, again, in limited quantities. So you're going to be able to get it on Titleist.com. Uh, Frederick also mentioned that they're, all, they're probably going to have a limited supply at some select golf shops around the country. But once these golf balls are gone, they're gone. Um, they're still used out on tour quite a bit. Uh, we mentioned Stenson and Reed using to win majors. Daniel Finau. Berger and Tony Finau. Yep, Tony just Finau as well. Just won with the golf ball. So it is It is one that I think some golfers will benefit from. Uh, as speaking as a high-spin guy, I uh, I asked Titles if they could like send me a pallet of these to, to test. <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling that this golf ball is going to be right in my wheelhouse. Don't Anything take the whole cut, supply. They're already good. limited quantities. Hey, just just give them all to me. Nobody else needs any. It is cool. These are straight from like the tour player stash, though. I mean, there's yeah, nothing same, different same between box this and, and the prototype that they play, and it's exciting for you know people who follow along with uh, with stuff like this because it is one of like the most famous quote unquote prototypes out there. You know, when yep. you're talking about tour only stuff, the left dot is something that's going to be mentioned for sure. Just again, don't expect if you're looking for low spin and more distance, you go with AVX. Just realize that you're not going to be getting the same greenside spin. With this ball, it's going to be, it's going to be more subtle. Again, you're, you're going to notice that ball just go down range, not really tail at all. And it's not going to equate to a ton of additional distance, as Title has said. It's going to be more, this is more fine-tuning here. This is, you know, for, I would say, even like the, I would say a better player. Would you agree? Like, this is, this is for the guy that really knows their game and is maybe looking to drop maybe a couple hundred RPMs a spin, maybe like one one fifty, maybe two hundred, but yeah. it's, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna get anything significant. Like they talked about Adam Scott hitting, you know, it was like a two hundred and ten yard seven iron when he tested AVX, and it's like this is wow. crazy distance, but like I could never use it in a tournament, just because nope. it's yeah it's it's not the right fit for him. So if you've always wanted to play it. Here you go. I do wonder though, like, Titles has been known to like release technology that's kind of been in the works. Maybe it's been out on tour and eventually finds its way to retail. I wonder if 
some of the tech from this golf ball eventually find its finds its way to the retail line. It will, eventually. I think so. Eventually, yep. Maybe not. But maybe not this upcoming year, but maybe like twenty three, maybe twenty five. But I, I think I think it's coming. I think you're going to see some of this tech in a future ball. I like that Titleist just sends out uh, like blank balls to their testers because you're really testing the testers at that point too. If they yeah. come back and they're like, "Oh, it's too too high spin with my with my mid irons," it's like, "All right, well you're out. We're not shipping you balls next time." <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You're out. <laughs> well, you're back wrong. to. Back to NXT I, for you. I'd be yeah. the, very I'd be perceptive. The quiet, Here's a bunch of NXTs. Quiet, the quiet, silent type, and just be like, "Yeah, it's a good, good golf ball." I Love the keep feel. Free, yeah, keep getting freebies. Yeah, that's all. Hit on the feel every time. You guys killed can't go, it. Can't go wrong with that. Yep, yep. yep. Um, it it right. is the exact opposite <laughs> ball I need in my game. Yeah. Well, again, I I don't think I you know, I think most golfers out there probably struggle as as Chris mentioned with with the opposite problem not generating enough spin. So I think this is going to fit a pretty small sample size of, of golfers out there. But if you're, you know, if you're on the, the faster side of, you know, of the, the swing speed, probably a pretty good chance that you're, that you're also generating additional spin. Could be a good option. So go check it out. It'll be out here now until, I guess, until the golf balls are gone. I don't think these are going to last very long. I think they're going to no. be gone pretty quickly. Yeah, they're they're not going to last. J-Wall, maybe you can reach out to, to somebody that is willing to listen and see if they can do a, uh, a Pro-V right plus for those of us that you know, really like the Pro-V line, but then at the same time <laughs> might need a little bit more spin. A right plus. Okay. Yeah, right a right plus. plus. <laughs> yep. yep. I like it. All right. Well, with that, I think we should get into this week's interview. I had a chance to interview Marty Jertson. Now, Marty, as some of you all know, is, he used to oversee the golf club side of the business at Ping. Now he's actually overseeing their performance and fitting side. And one of the things that they've been working on over there is this new virtual golf ball fitting tool called Ballnamic. I uh, won't get into too much of it. I'll let Marty do that. But um, Tursky and I had a chance to take it for a spin. I, I truly think that this could be a game changer. We're, we talk all the time about the importance of getting fit for your golf clubs, but the golf ball is a huge piece of the puzzle as well. Um, Ballnamic's going to allow you to basically take all of your numbers, um, even down to like the elevation and the temperature that you typically play at. You're able to prioritize your importance for flyer prevention, um, how the golf ball flies in the wind, and it's going to give you back five golf balls that that would kind of be suggested to fit with your game uh, again really cool marty provides all the details be a good listen enjoy before we get to our interview with marty jertson we want to remind you this episode is brought to you by globalgolf.com your online destination for the best selection of new and pre-owned clubs tech apparel bags shoes and more their industry-leading try trade and buy program will help you play your best for less Test equipment, rangefinders, and GPS units for up to two weeks with Global Golf's You Try program. Take advantage of their proprietary trade-in and get top dollar for your equipment. Higher trade-in values means more cash to upgrade. Plus, save 10% on qualifying products with promo code GOLF10. That's G-O-L-F-T-E-N. Try trade and buy only at GlobalGolf.com. Promo code 
Golf 10. All right. Well, it is always fun to talk to one of the smartest guys in the equipment industry. Ping VP of Fitting and Performance, Marty Jertson. Marty, what's up, man? Oh, I'm doing great, Jonathan. How about you? Doing pretty good. Now, normally when you and I talk, at least at least for years, it was always about it was always about gear. And then you take over this this new role as the VP of Fitting and Performance, and now you're you're doing some other cool stuff. Something that I had a chance to come out to Scottsdale and check out in person, Balnamic. This this is unlike anything that I've really seen from Ping. For for people that haven't heard of Balnamic before, kind of where did the name come from? So you mentioned you, you you lifted the lid there. You're you're doing golf ball fitting analysis. And I'm sure there are people out there listening going, wait, Ping doesn't make a golf ball. And it, it could be a little bit confusing here, but but you all this isn't something that just kind of happened overnight. I know that you've been working on this ball fitting software for a long time. Can you kind of take me back to like when the early stages were of, of when you started to kind of go down this road of, of trying to create this ball fitting program? Yeah, definitely, Jonathan. Um, you know, I started with our founder, Karsten. He has a famous quote and uh, in the engineering group, even when I first started, he said, you know, we have to use the golf ball as the tuning fork for our product. And so at Ping, even though we haven't made a golf ball in a long time, we've always studied golf balls. We have to know exactly what they're doing, how much they're spinning, how they're flying, what they're doing aerodynamically, because as golf balls have changed, we have to evolve and perfectly time out our, uh, our strategy and you know, how we want the ball to come off the face ballistically on our clubs. And so we've always been studying it here at the Proving Grounds. Um, and, uh, you know, we haven't really used the data for anyone except for ourselves to tune our product and our clubs and to work with our tour players when they come in. You know, we've dabbled a little bit in helping, you know, fit the right ball to the right club here at the Proving Grounds on a very small scale with some tools that were, you know, internal to us. But for the last 15, 20 years, we've been testing balls. We've had our pulse on all the golf balls on the marketplace. And over the last five plus years, we've seen this uh, kind of diversity come about in the golf ball market where balls are more different and diverse than ever. They change from year to year. And so people are confused. We're confused sometimes. What are balls? What is the, you know, a new model comes out for one year it can be totally different on how it performs in one category of performance than its predecessor. And so we finally put a system in place to keep a pulse on all that and develop testing so we can categorize performance in all those different areas. So one of the things that, that blows me away, and we, we talk about fitting all the time. I mean, Chris McCormick, who's 
the VP of Tour and Education over at TrueSpec, is a co-host on the Fully Equipped podcast. You know, we we stress the importance of getting fit, going going and working with a certified club fitter with all the clubs in your bag. That includes the putter. But one of the things that always seems to get left out here is the golf ball, which to me is is sort of mind blowing. And you and I talked a little bit about this when I was in Scottsdale. But you you go and you test new golf clubs, and you get fit for this, but you never fully optimize it for the golf ball. Is there a reason why that you've kind of seen through your in, you know your research and analysis? Why is it that we're so fixated on the clubs, but we tend to forget about the golf ball? Yeah, I think it's, it's, there's no, there hasn't been a good tool out there. There hasn't been a good tool. There's been people, there's been uh, groups doing, collecting data on balls, but you got to throw in the wisdom of how to fit the club and ball together synergistically. And that's really, I think where our expertise comes in, Jonathan, is we do a lot of cool testing to categorize how all the balls perform in all these areas. Uh, but then it's, then it's having the tool and now Volnamic is that tool and that solution that says, okay, let's marry your club and ball together and put in, and let's help somebody think about golf balls, uh, like a tour player would. And that's really how we developed our algorithms and our questions. And so now you can go in and get fit for, uh, your product and use the golf ball to help maybe make up any shortcomings into where maybe you couldn't get perfectly optimal. That's one of the great use cases of golf ball. And so when we want to fit uh, club and ball together, we will know that we have golf ball uh, as like our last lever here we can pull. And so when we're fitting somebody and we can't get them to, let's say, to the perfect launch and spin for a driver, for example, we can come in at the end and throw golf ball at it to change that peak height, uh, to increase rollout, change landing angle, things of that nature. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't think there's been a good holistic tool uh, that's provided both the data and the fitting, but you know, together synergistically. And uh, that was kind of why how we saw this opportunity. So I want to get into ball dynamic, the nuts and the bolts of it, because I, I had an opportunity to go through it. But I'm curious what. What do you think the future of fitting is for, for golf clubs? I mean, it, it seems like we've come a long way. Before it was, you know, most golfers, it felt, it felt like to me, were okay buying clubs off the rack. And now it feels like we're really kind of pushing this get fit and we're seeing more golfers. What, what do you or what have you seen or what do you see kind of coming down the road towards us as far as, as the future of fitting is concerned? I like to say that whatever I like to look at what the tour players are doing, you know, and what the tour players are doing now. And I feel like my role is to help build this bridge. Uh, I think that what the tour players are doing now, the everyday golfer can have access to about 10 years later, right? Like tour right. players 10 years ago, you know, it was not, you know, 10 plus years ago, you know, Sean Foley carrying a track man out to the range. He was the only one with it, you know? And now, and now guess what? There's, there's $500 launch monitors. People are putting in their garage that measure all the same, you know, a lot of the same things. And that's only a decade later. So what are the tour players doing now? They're looking at stats, they're fitting ball and club together. They're using on-course stats to change how they train and their strategy. You know, they're training, they're doing speed training with some advanced techniques. And now, 
you know, over, over that five to 10 year period, all those products and solutions will eventually be available. So from a fitting standpoint, gapping, changing clubs based on course conditions, changing golf ball based on where you're going to play, uh, changes to your game, you know, some advanced training techniques, strategy techniques. I think that's like the future of, and then merging all those with your club fitting together. And so you get this whole big package where your fitness, your strategy, your stats, your clubs, your golf ball, all kind of gel together. I think that's where the future is going. So let's get into Balnamic. The first thing for people that are listening to this interview, you can go to ballfitting.com. I don't think it gets any easier than that. Ballfitting.com is where you'll find Balnamic. Now, the first thing, Marty, that I notice here is there's little to no ping signage on this website. But I feel like that's that's for a reason. Why why I mean you all designed this. You all designed this. It's it's coming from ping. Why why not put more of your signage on the the homepage of the website? Yeah, I mean I think everyone knows we're going to be we're behind it. All all of our test data that we do at the proving grounds behind it. We're helping curate that experience, but we just wanted to have the brand be all about golf balls and just pure. And so because it's kind of a from a golf ball fitting standpoint, it's a it's a totally agnostic tool. I mean, you go on there and it's just we're just matching what we see in the performance testing to what the golfer is say, says they need or the club fitter. There's a avenue for club fitters to use this tool as well um, and tie those two things together without any without any bias or any any uh, you know anything of that nature. So we just want to keep it very pure in the brand. I I love it. It's it's a super clean. I'm all about even in golf clubs in websites, minimalistic is is the way to go. Not a lot of clutter. This website is very clean. So you can go here and you can actually register. As Marty mentioned, you can go and work with a with a club fitter, uh, assuming that they have access to Balnamic. But when you go to this website, you can register and you can actually go through a ball fitting without 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 a club fitter around. Now, I'll tell you, I was a little bit skeptical because I think of golfers and like, man, they're not going to be able to, to know a knot. But this website is really intuitive. I mean, even if you, we were talking about like, what are my, you know, what's, what's my club speed? What's my ball speed? Uh, you don't really need a lot of these numbers, but if you just punch in some of the numbers, can you just kind of talk about how intuitive this website is and how it's going to make it easy for a golfer to go on the website and basically find out what ball they need and not really have to have all of those additional stats and launch monitor numbers at their disposal? Yeah, great question, Jonathan. And we designed the experience of, of going through Balnamic to be educational. So as you go through and you answer these questions about, hey, what is what is your preference in a certain area? Well, what, do you need to hit the ball higher or lower on your driver? We actually have little helper tips along the way. We have education pieces. We have a, a knowledge library you can go and explore. But one of the pieces you brought up, Jonathan, is that you do not have to have been on a launch monitor and have numbers to succeed using this product. You can go in and tell us, hey, how far you hit your driver? Do you think you kind of launch at high, medium, or low? Do you think your spin's kind of high, medium, or low? We have little helpers and along the way to help you figure that out. And we will figure out with the pretty good accuracy uh, what your launch condition numbers are by you feeding us that information. Now, that being said, if you have been on the launch monitor, you have one at home or 
you know your numbers from your last fitting, uh, by all means, plug those in and you will, you will get even a more precise experience. But you do not have, have to have been on the launch monitor uh, to go through this ball fitting. Totally great to use as just a standalone experience. Or you can use it right there where you're doing club and ball fitting together. So there's a lot of use cases for it. But yeah, it's not intimidating. You learn as you go through it. Uh, you learn how balls are separated in certain areas of performance as you go through it. So uh, not only do you get like a, you know a, a fun results page, which I'm I'm sure we'll get to, but you get to learn about how balls are different in all these different areas as you're going through the the questionnaire. And what's what's the cost for this if if somebody's going to want to go through the fitting on their own through the website? Less than a dozen balls, thirty nine dollars. So yeah. That's our, uh, that's, that was our, that's our tagline for it because, you know, it's $39, but it saves you all the trial and error from, oh, I'm going to try a dozen of these, go play them on the course, see how they do. I'm going to go try a dozen of these. I'm going to go try a dozen of these. So we've basically done all that testing for you. You know, we can categorize how, if you're a player that uh, I know where you're at in Texas is always windy, right? So if you're a player that plays in the wind a lot, how good are these different golf balls in the wind? Well, our expertise actually allows us to categorize how good or golf, how relatively good or relatively bad golf balls are in the wind. We have that level of nuance in the modeling and capabilities there. You can punch in your zip code, which I just thought was the craziest thing. And it, it, it gives you an idea of what the conditions are that you would typically be playing in just based by punching in your zip code. Now, I think this is cool for a number of reasons. And, and this is the one thing that I wanted to get into. As you mentioned, you can kind of move a lot of these levers around, um, you know, the elevation that you might be playing at just simply by throwing in a zip code. Now, it's going to give you, in the end, it gives you three, your top three options that, that would be best based on the numbers that you're inputting, kind of a little bit more about your game, things that you prioritize which I absolutely love because there are certain parts of a player's game. I mean, for me, when you and I were talking, one of them that really changed a lot of the balls on my top three were putter feel, which is, is something that I don't think a lot of golfers really consider, but we've talked about how a lot of tour pros will start around the green, work their way back. And, you know, I, I hate using Tiger as the example all the time, but Tiger's a guy who really prioritizes feel with the putter. And if it doesn't feel good off the putter, he, it's really not worth it for him to kind of continue along that path. But I love that you add that in there because it's one of those, you know, really talked about preferences. But golfers, like for me, I like a, I like a firmer feel off the putter face. And that does change pretty significantly the ball. You know, it, it is, it's, it's really impressive how you all built this site, but there's just a lot of things that even for me as being somebody in the industry, I just really wouldn't even consider throwing on that page. Yeah. And that's how we've modeled all the questions that really, you know, with our experience of working with the tour players. Okay. What do they care about? You know, the tiger example you gave, and we've worked with a bunch of our pink staff players that care a lot about that putter field. Well, guess what? You know, we've used that same information in developing our you know our latest ping putter lines you know our 21 putters and our hepler putters they have totally different feel well now you can marry let's say you like the hepler putter that feels a little firmer you can put into balnamic that you prefer a softer feel now marry those two things together that level of nuance so yeah 
is you're going through ball dynamic, like you said, Jonathan, you can you can uh, kind of choose which areas are important to you uh, and certainly uh, and, and play around with that. So that's really what we're matching. And there's so much nuance in golf balls. There's so much confusion about what balls do and you know they're switching models around and this ball changed from year to year or that you know uh, certain balls were low spin around the greens one year and then the next year they spin a ton around the greens it's hard to keep up but like as a, as a consumer you have no way to keep up with all that information and so we're basically doing all that testing and not only are we doing the testing we're helping you do the matching and to think about that just like a tour player would so let me let me just go through some of the when when you get your results. Some so it's gonna list your top three balls. It's gonna give you your favorite ball, best ball. Um and it's gonna give you some some different measurables along the way, driver distance, driver height, driver wind score, which I think is great if you if you play in windier conditions, seven iron carry workability. I mean, these, again, these are some of the things that you just don't really consider when you're going through a fitting, but they, they're so important. Flyer prevention, um, you know, full wedge spin, greenside spin, putter feel, and you're going to get all of these numbers for all of your top three. Now, this is great because you and I talked about this. You might come out with a golf ball that's the best ball for you, but one of the things that that I noticed was you know, the one ball that's really good for me might be great for my home course. But as we talked about, there might be another ball in here that's a lot better in the wind, for instance. So if I'm playing on a windier golf course, now I know, hey, look, I typically play, in my in my case, it was the TaylorMade TP5X was, was the top ball. But for me, I know that if I'm playing on a golf course where I need something that's going to be a lot better in the wind, I might be playing the, in in this case, it was the Bridgestone Tour BX, which was a better golf ball for the wind. So now you have the ability as you go through this website to, to build your ball to the course conditions that you're playing every week. I mean, to, in, in my opinion, that's a game changer for golfers because it's, again, it's not just giving you the best ball for your game, but it's also giving you other options that might be better for different course conditions. Yeah. I mean, the old example of, you know, Hey, you're going, uh, you're going on uh, you know, a boys trip to Bandon dunes. So you know, the wind's going to be blowing up there. Uh, so you can go in there and, and crank that setting up, Hey, always windy and, and generate results uh, and, up prioritize that and i think that's the fun part you get to that results page we return your top three match golf balls uh our database is already over 40 balls deep and we're adding to it every every six months we're, we're loading a bunch of new balls into the database uh but you get your top three and you can error over and get even more we, we will always return your top five and then you can you can put in your current golf ball jonathan and compare that part's really cool too. So you can say, well, I'm playing this ball, but this uh, ball that Balnamic returned for me is this much better in the wind. It might go a little shorter on my irons. I might be okay with that. That's not as important to me. So it allows you, not only do you kind of fill out what's important so we can match the right ball to you during the, the survey or the interview questionnaire experience, but right when you get to that results page, you can even do more self-filtering. 
you know, we have that overall match score at the top, which is like a composite algorithm of how well that ball is going to match you and what you need personalized to your launch conditions. Uh, but then you can go down and pick, you know, for example, you got two balls that have a, almost the same overall match score, but you're, man, that feel off the putter is real important to you. You can go down to the bottom and, and, and choose that one uh, and, uh, and, and break through all the nuance and how different balls, you know, are, are so different across different areas. And you mentioned the differences between the balls, also difference between balls from year to year, which you also have the ability to, as you're, selecting the ball that you're currently playing it's not going to just default and think all right well you're saying tp5 so you're currently playing the new version you might be playing an older version of that golf ball and you all have already done the testing and analysis on these older balls so you kind of know how they already perform which again this is this is why this website's going to be so great for golfers is it gives you a, a bigger picture of, of what's going on, not just looking at the latest and greatest from these equipment manufacturers. Yeah, definitely. Yep. And you yeah. mentioned Jonathan flyers, you know, and people just, you know, our goal here, and we try to do this with everything we develop is at ping is to know more what the golfer needs that they can even think of themselves. Right. But it might be obvious in hindsight, but there's certain golf balls that will lead to more jumpers off your irons. And so that might not be important to you uh, as a golfer, or you might not be in playing conditions where you get a lot of flyers. And so you can say, hey, that's, I rarely get that. That's not really a pain point for me. Or maybe in, in your short and mid irons, you always get jumpers in the type of rough you play in or dewy mornings or whatever. And you, you want to say, oh, that's really important to me. And so tying that back to how we test it, we put it on our Pingman robot. We, we, in a controlled way, we spray mist on the golf ball, change the coefficient of friction. This is just like our hydrophobicity on wedges, where we want to maintain closer spin rates in both dry and wet conditions. And we've seen balls plummet from 10,000 RPM to 5,000 uh, when, you, when you put a little mist on them, where other balls will go from 10,000 only to 8,000. So there's such a huge difference in golf balls and how they can prevent flyers. And, you know, it's something that how would you as a golfer ever go out and be able to test that? You need to buy all these dozens of balls, go test it, play exactly. them a bunch, try to get the flyers. I mean, so, you know, it is pretty fun at the level of detail and nuance that we're putting in there. So you mentioned the levers, which I, I think is just you could spend a day. I mean, what, what's the access so for, for less than a dozen golf balls? You get access. How how long do you get access to the site to kind of mess around and, and kind of move the levers and maybe change your preferences or priorities for flyers or, uh, you know, greenside spin and whatnot? Yeah. So once you go through it, uh, pay 39 bucks and you get access for 24 hours. And that'll give you the ability to, 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 to go back and, uh, and tinker around uh, with some of the inputs a little bit. Hey, what if I did this? What if I would th did that? And you can do that you know, up to five times and, uh, and go back and get your results and send them to yourselves, to yourself in an email. Um, so you'll have those and, and, uh, you, you know, be able to, uh, uh, to go back and see all the numbers. You'll be able to have, have that as a takeaway. What's the response been from fitters? I, I'm, I know that they've already had a chance to kind of take a look at this. Oh yeah. It's been phenomenal. We've been using it here at the proving grounds with our customers and we kind of just wow people with it. We don't tell them they're getting a ball fitting. 
Uh, and so, you know, we have all these charts that we use, which are really powerful. Our driver optimal launch and spin. We have another chart that we use for seven iron landing angle, uh, which helps tell the golfer, hey, are you kind of, you know, landing it shallow for your speed? Or are you landing it kind of medium? Or are you landing it steep? And we kind of figure out what they need. And it, again, Jonathan, what's cool is that if we can't get somebody where they want to go totally with the club, then we layer golf ball on there and merge ball and club fitting together synergistically. That part has been really fun. We've been able to just kind of surprise people uh, with this ball fitting. We've had some great feedback from our customers coming in that say, hey, uh, I, you know, I, I got a dozen of those balls. I tried them and sure enough, yeah, I did fly totally different on my driver. Normally I'd be spinning it up in the air and it'd be ballooning. And I'm seeing the ball flight come out a lot flatter in terms of trajectory. The wind's not touching as much. Uh, I'm seeing less jumpers on my iron. So we've had customers be very excited about it. And the fitters have absolutely loved it, uh, especially kind of surprising our customers with it. So this is just coming out and I feel like I'm already looking ahead to the future, but, but is, is ball dynamic? Is this, is this it for the site or are you kind of doing stuff behind the scenes to kind of refine or maybe, maybe add stuff to, the existing site oh we got a laundry list of future <laughs> oh i know you, you've got the you got the, some of the smartest guys in the room there at ping yeah exactly so we're we, it's going to be something we're always going to iterate on we're going to make the algorithm smarter we're going to keep testing balls to see if we can find separation uh in performance in 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 even more areas i mean this thing is about as detailed as you can get on golf balls um but we're going to continue to find see if we find separation in certain areas and we have a bunch of cool new features we want to keep building and adding and and uh and you know we do have the site built jonathan for both fitters to use so the fitters can license it from from us uh, to use in a fitting environment a fitting bay and that's one of the most valuable pieces is that uh fitting golf balls indoors it, you're missing the aerodynamic piece and so that's kind of at the core of our expertise is that we, we can, you know, here at Ping, we have good weather here in our headquarters where, you know, people think you see the TPC Scottsdale is kind of a dome when they play the tournament here. Talk, talk about that for a second though. I want you, because this was a story that blew me away. You guys really wait for like the optimal testing conditions. Like even it's like any hours of the day, you might go and test at like 3 a.m. Yeah, we're actually wait. We're actually going to do our fall test in the month of September. We're keeping an, our pulse on the forecast right now, and we're eyeing out a day in about two two and a half weeks. We're, we're probably going to test from two in the morning to about six in the morning. And oh, wow. what's cool, hey, you know, radar doesn't care if it's dark, so we're getting those uh, uh, twenty thousand or forty thousand hertz, actually forty thousand measurements per second. Uh, on our measurements where we hit them down range and we can actually test golf balls in the dark. We, I, I love it. And we need a test with no wind. We basically need a dome. And so we can just wait it out. You know, you can't, you know, this isn't a rent a robot and, and, and hope you get the one in, in, uh, in 100 days where you get perfectly perfect calm conditions where we just wait it out, wait till it's perfectly calm. And then uh, the reason why we do that, Jonathan, though, is that we, because how golf balls fly uh, is not directly, not always directly correlated to their initial spin. 
And that is at the core of, of Ballnamic is that we've seen balls and we showed you some of this test data where there are some golf balls that are high spin, but they actually fly low. And there's other golf balls that are low spin and they fly high. So if you're fitting golf balls indoors into a net and you're not seeing that aerodynamic piece, you're missing half of the equation. And so, you know, that's it. That's why our fitters have loved it who are fitting indoors. So our, our fit, we've had a few fitter uh, accounts use this and do an indoor fitting and they can fit with a certain golf ball, put that in as your current ball and then choose, you know, it'll, it'll come up with the recommendations and Balnamic on the results page there, Jonathan, or the explore page, which you saw, gives you flight comparisons between balls. So you get customized ball specific flight comparisons in calm and windy conditions uh, between golf balls. So we have a ball specific, you know, flight model for every golf ball in the market. And that's, that's at the heart of kind of the engine that drives workability, how good they are at the wind, how high they go. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to do that testing here. And, you know, we, we, we'll be setting our alarms really early or staying up really late coming up. <laughs> Got to have a bunk somewhere at Ping HQ so you can set your alarm for, for 2 or 3 a.m. and wake up and get the robot going. You know, I, I know that it's still early testing. You've been doing some internal testing with, with Balnamic there at the Proving Ground. But have you, and I know, again, you know, ball fitting is important for all handicaps, but have you found that so far ball dynamics been a benefit to like a certain handicap range? Has it, have you have just the benefit of like, man, this handicap range was so far away from the golf ball that they should have been playing that they've really seen a much, you know, bigger increase than some of the other handicap ranges? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think what we've seen by handicap range is that what golfers need, so their inputs have been very different. So a high handicap golfer, uh, they, they, they never put that they need workability, right? And so that, you know, in doing so, you actually can use the golf ball to tighten somebody's dispersion. So the less the golf ball can curve, you think about this, if the ball curves less, if it's less workable, you will actually, if you make a mistake in your face path delivery impact location and curve the golf ball, you can actually tighten somebody's dispersion through their golf ball selection. That's one of the kind of unknown things of golf balls that, uh, but if you, if you like curve, then um, you, know, you, you may be sacrificing your dispersion a little bit or how workable the golf ball is. So, We've seen big differences in the inputs by handicap. You know, what's important to the uh, different handicaps groups has varied. And in, as a result, the golf balls they're getting re recommended has varied. And we're recommending balls that curve less, that fly a little bit straighter, that don't balloon as much. And those things are tending to straighten out someone's ball flight. And then we can fit them into more loft on their driver. And as we fit them into more loft, they can launch it higher uh change you know get their swing direction you know uh kind of corrected a little bit and uh are driving the golf ball better and that's how you can use ball and club together synergistically last question for you i, I know that you mentioned all the golf balls i mean volvic is included in this cut snell i mean this isn't just the big brands here that are getting preferential treatment like you're you're giving everybody a fair shake here. But what about some of these other golf balls that are now coming out that are 
and I'm talking more about like the titleists, like the the left dashes and and those types of balls that are now kind of slowly making their way into the marketplace. Are they going to be available on the site for somebody that maybe got their hands on you know three or four dozen and and you know they play the ball and want to see if it's really right for them? Yeah, the the balls that Titleist is commercializing, we need to have those in there. So anything a, a average consumer, not if you know somebody to know somebody to know somebody, get their hands on. Uh, if you're a re- everyday consumer, we need to have those golf balls in there. So we're in our fall update, we're going to add those balls that the, indeed they are commercializing. Uh, but yeah, it is our algorithms have no bias to you know choosing. Our our algorithms don't care about compression brand, how many layers, the cover, that's also unique. It's just all performance. Uh, But that being said, there are some things in the settings where you can go in and say, uh, especially if you're a fitter, you can go in and turn off all the direct to consumer house brand balls. So we kind of have that toggle in there uh, for the fitters out there that are licensing it. Um, So you can turn off kind of those categories but other than that, I mean, that, that's the only thing in there that uh, that does any filtering and everything just it's it's all based on the performance. And, you know, what's fun is that, you know, golf balls change so much. So every six months or so when we update it, those results are going to change because, you know, things are happening differently aerodynamically or whatever the designers are doing to kind of tweak and, and keep uh, iterating on on ball performance. I think I've become a little bit of a curmudgeon. I, a lot of stuff doesn't excite me anymore. Ball naming really does. I, I feel like this is such an important piece of the fitting puzzle. And I think a lot of golfers, especially for, for the cost, less than a dozen golf balls and you get access for 24 hours to fool around with all the lovers. I think it's great. Ball naming, ballfitting.com. Marty, always appreciate the time. All right, Jonathan. Thanks everyone for tuning in. And that'll do it for episode 106 in Park. Thanks again to Marty Jertson for the time. If you're looking for more gear news, you can also check us out on social media. We're at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram and at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter. And at also Fully Equipped Golf on TikTok. Yes, and we are at Fully Equipped Golf on TikTok. Thank you, Tursky. I always appreciate you listening. We'll see you next week.